Okay, so we will uh, continue this week and uh, next week with the uh, Chazara and the Shailas. The case last week with the billboard and the bus. So we had a lot of Shailas afterwards. We'll go over the case again. And it, all these Shailas we say for the end cut across many of the Yisaitis that the Grand Bechina is going to be on for the last year of material. And this one particularly, it's startling because it was real. So Meister Shaya Kachaya, there was a quick-thinking counselor who certainly meant, well, the Shailiz is the correct thing to do. They were traveling on a camp trip in a coach bus with uh, 40-some-odd campers. And unfortunately, and maybe fortunately, the counselor saw ahead of time there was a billboard coming up on the right, was it? It was on the left. I don't know which example we used. It was on the left? Okay. So that was, um, that contained certain things that would uh, trigger Isurim and Isenis and the like and shouldn't be looked at by anybody, certainly uh, Bachram. And he felt it would be a big Nisayan. So he yelled out that this priestess on the left. Somebody listened to the last year, if I used right as the example, but I don't have the original one in front of me. It doesn't make a difference for the story. Right or left? Do you remember it being left? The real one was on the left. Okay, so he yelled out. Okay. No, the billboard was on the right. Yeah. No, that would defeat all purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the original one was right, and it was on, okay, fine. He was trying to get them. Okay. I use right and left, though. Usually, and I use assume, left. He's assuming they're going to look. Of course, that was the case. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing up left. I'm thinking that's the steer between Wednesday and now. Okay, so you say it was, uh, was really on the left, and he uh, said on the right, which was the trick. And he was banking on the fact that most of them, brave, a small Roy, Ruba to Ruba, he was trying to come out ahead, and he was banking on the fact that they would hear the announcement and look in the direction that they weren't supposed to look. So, he wanted to save him from Avera, so he yelled out it was on the right because it was really on the left, if that was the example I used. And sure enough, the good news is, his ruse worked. I toned down the email. The email had like 40-something. How many of the bus did you say? Somebody had the number exactly. Uh, how many is the bus hold? What? Okay, so let's say 48, so it was like 47 to 1, but let's say Raven Miet, it sounds better. And this is not, that number would not be representative of a real case of a regular camp where they're stagnant yeshiva. Wouldn't be that bad. But whatever it is, they were not as conditioned and he uh, was trying to help them out. And one or a few, but it was the Miet, were nichshul because of that. So his brother, wanted to know. His brother's asking the child. He remembers this myself from his uh, brother, and he's asking, was that the right thing to do in case it ever comes up, which I hope it doesn't. And I assume nowadays I'd be just sitting on the bus with the safer, so no matter whether the preacher left or the right, you're just looking at the safer anyway until you get to the destination, and now they rent the entire theme park. So it's a very nice matzah, but that wasn't always the case. Uh, so that's a, that's a luxury. So the first comment we had was that it's not Mokhuch, it's okay, because you could tie in a hotel, Rosh Hashanah, not Rashayim, but they have a Chira, they're doing the wrong thing, and 
maybe you should just tell them the MS and the Metzias and let the Bechira take over. He didn't think that right people would pass and he was trying to be practical. But that's a good far. But the Machshel, one or more people, even though they're the Meat, is not so posh because he's Machshel them be a dime. So somebody over here in this section of the room said they can look down. But assuming that wasn't a possibility and that wasn't going to happen, it's very hard to look down for what 30 seconds seems like eternity, and it's just easy to turn your head. So that's probably why it wasn't practical. Maisa Shoyak has a kasha and a maisa. But it's not so Pasha's mutter to marshal be a daim in that scenario, even though you're trying to save the roiv. What we were discussing, the possible raya, that was my bottom line that the dimyan that we brought from the Chazanisha is not a. Necessarily a dimmy, the Chazanisha is talking about the horrific case where the arrows coming in to crowd A. You could deflect it to Mokum B, there's still somebody there. It's one person against many or five against ten. A clear win with the arrow or the grenade, Rahman Litzlan, or the bomb, and you're throwing it over there. The Chazanisha was Masupik, but he leaned toward the fact that it was Mutter because. You're saving more people, even though you're directly throwing it on somebody, Rahmanul Islam, but it's a Maisa Hatsala, and therefore it's Mutter. He brings Araya from Papa Linus, and they put themselves in a matzav from the outside, but they got themselves killed, but it's still two people, two very valuable people, to save a Rabim. Again, the Chaznish had a Dichoy, but Lamaisa. The shtickle is quoted, and he leaned in that direction. So, we'll discuss two questions that were sent in. First of all, Yaakov asked, Yaakov, you're there? Yeah, you're in the middle of the box. So, um, Yaakov asked, what's the din in a battlefront setting where there's a grenade and pin was pulled out? Are you allowed to jump on it to save other people? Are you mechuyiv to? It's mechuyiv, nobody is, no one person. Chiddush is you're allowed to. Tzitzel is, and others have tshuvas where, despite the fact that we don't pass night to Yushalmi, Yavain, Sabek, and you can put yourself a little more at risk to help people because, by definition, a fireman, policeman, lifeguard is a little more at risk than the regular getting your lulu of climbing a tree where you need good equipment. You can't put yourself in a grave sakana. What that number is depends on the scenario, but it can't be that you're mechayiv too until... 50% or more is nowhere near that much. But as the firemen, policemen, they're, they're getting paid for the job, they might be somewhere in between. You could do more as a bystander walking by the beach. You can also do more than the regular, but not a serious sakana. Tetzeleza says in a war theater, the assumption is that the army and the battalion will only be a credible fighting unit if it's understood that people stick their neck out more than they would be allowed to halachically based on the fact that it passed like the Yishalmi, the Bavli against the Yishalmi, and try what the Bavli is, but we don't straight away pass like the Yishalmi, the Beis Yisrael brings it down, but the Mechaber, the Beis Yisrael does not. So in an army scenario where there's a grenade and you're part of the fighting unit, there is a head to jump on it. So it doesn't make it a chiyah for any one person. I believe the army has rules that you must do that, but it's an understanding. And in the civilian setting, we were speaking about the night it happened in Eretz Yisrael, shouldn't happen again, where a person has, they didn't know it was there, but if he sees it's about to go off, can he take a pipe bomb and throw it somewhere else to cross the street where there are less people and he clearly sees a differential in numbers? And could he, should he jump on it to save the other people? So Yaakov and I were discussing 
assuming that it's not a war situation, all things one big war situation, but you're not part of the combat units. It's not the same understanding. Would there be a hetter? Maybe, but that's not exactly what Tzitzelezer is talking about. Tzitzelezer just says you won't be able to fight if people don't have the notion to do this. And you can cut and paste that to a fireman, a policeman to a degree. Lamaisa, the problem is if you can jump on it, then why are you allowed to deflect it and send it over there? What's the case of the Chaznish? The arrow is over here. It's hard to picture for us to picture the arrow, the arrow scenario because how do you deflect an arrow strong enough? The arrow is going at top speed. So let's assume there's a choice of jumping on the grenade on top of it where less people will get killed or throwing it across the street where less people will get killed. He doesn't want to jump on it for obvious reasons. He's not ready to make that sacrifice. Would it be a hetter for him to throw it across the street and have somebody else make the sacrifice? That's the Chaznish's case. He's deflecting it. So it's a good question. I think the answer is one of two things. Either the Chaznish is talking about a case where he has no havamina of uh, jumping on it because the hour case has nothing to jump on and he can't step in front of it. Let's say that's the scenario. If he could, then he would absorb it. Why deflect it across the street? Hit somebody else. Either that's the scenario he just can't or the second possibility is he won't. And if he won't, Allah Lamaisa. And he did deflect it, and it killed somebody else. Was that a Maisat Sol or not? It's a good question, he says, because if it's a Maisat Sol, why did he do it himself? So he, he's a coward. He can't. He, he's not up to it. He's not strong. Whatever the case may be. Either he couldn't or he wouldn't. But a Maisa, when he deflected across the street, was it a Maisat Sol? It was. So Chaznish leans toward the Tzad that that would still be a more correct action than letting it hit this crowd where it's going to kill more people and a grenade bomb scenario would be more uh, understandable than the arrow. And I think one of those two terutsim, one of those two scenarios would be the answer to the Chaznish. But it's a difficult question. because That's what I'm saying. The example pops in the line is, it sounds like from the story that they just volunteered. They weren't in the city that was being surrounded. Could be they were. It doesn't say clearly, but they just gave themselves in, even though they didn't do it. And the emperor, the uh, the police chief, they said, I know you didn't do it. You're expecting to be saved, like Chaim Azai, and they said, no, we're not as great. We're not expecting to be saved. They were great people, and the Gemara says, they're in a special haba. It's not clear whether they were in the city or not, and it's, uh, it's obviously a big enough community, because if they're going to get killed also, the feeling, even if they're in the city, the last people who got killed the Papas and Linus because they were also known historically as great fighters and leaders. And it could be they would have been able to fight their way out of it, but that part is not provable one way or another. So that's one Shaila. The other. So the problem is he made one or two or three, whatever it is, a smaller number. Dafka look in that direction, which ended up being the wrong direction and so he was over the Fenever so that was the Shaila is that Mutter so are you allowed to do the Fenever to the mute to save the Rav so the example from the Chaznish was you are you're hurting the few to save the many it's not a great Raya because over here you have to make a decision they're all in danger and nobody's doing the wrong thing over here the people doing the wrong thing are causing the problem why should you be marshal the mute because you try to save the Rav who are doing the wrong thing even though statistically he was right that's what makes the Shaila so unique. So I, I don't think the Chaznish is necessarily a raya. Uh, the second question, asked by Naftali Gwertz, actually asked in person, in Passaic, after the shir, and then I told him to send me a reminder of the email, which he did today. He wants to know 
what the gain was, or was it enough of a gain? He saved the Roiv, let's say 40, 40 kids. He didn't save them completely. Because if you remember, we spent a long time in the Skaven Lechel Basel Chazir, and that's still not Aaron that needs a Kapara. So he didn't save them from the Avera to zero. They looked in the direction they shouldn't be looking, clearly. So he got them to a point of Neskavan Lechel Basel Chazir. It's a good question. I think the answer is if it's mutter, it's mutter anyway because the gap over here is still between the skav lecha basa chazir v'allah biyadam basa tzleh. He's still a kasher. Here is allah biyadam basa tzleh. They didn't. They missed the pieces. The bus was going too quick, and by the time they realized, they were long past it. The next sign, billboard was tefilas adera or some other friendly reminder about bitachon namuna, whatever else they have in the Haskells. So um, it was too late. He still saved them. The difference in the bigger Avera and the Skavon Chabaz Chazir is pretty wide. So, I, if it's mutter, I think that would take care of that. It's not clear, certainly not from the Chaznish, that it's mutter if you're pretty sure he wasn't 100% sure anybody's going to initial. And he thought that most people would. And if he doesn't do this, and the collateral damage would be that some innocent people would be sacrificed. And that is indeed what happened. Is that mutter if they all have a chigru? Would you have to be a machshel, the people who are minding their own business trying to do the right thing, and your mamish calls a michshel? But he was thinking quickly and he had his heart in the right place, and I'm sure afterwards he gave him a whole schmooze on Shemir Senayim and maybe a good shir on Lifnever and the Skavala Chabas Chazir. But fascinating Shaila, and I hope uh, all those Bacharim are in a better place. That was from last week. Now we go on to the next one, which is also um, pretty out there. Unless I save these for the end. So, this I could probably say his name. Actually, I'm not going to because I could say his name, but the other person in the story uh, doesn't look that good. So we're not going to say his name because they shouldn't hear the story. This might have happened 15 years ago. And by now, I'm sure I'll be shtaking, but just in case, to protect the innocent, we're not going to say the name. You might figure it out anyway. So, he says, I need to preface my story with a story that I heard from the Ragachava. And um, he tried to trace where he heard it from, who heard it from somebody else. I'm not sure. I can't vouch for the accuracy of the story. And so I'm not going to necessarily quote Bashem Ramro. If it happened, it could have happened. If it happened, then we have a good cash and we're going to try to answer it. If it didn't, then the question will be, is this mutter? So the story is supposedly told about the Raghachava, so keep that in mind with that disclaimer, but the value of the application of our rules and regulations of Lifnaiver and the recent sugya of trying to be uh, doing a small error to save somebody from something huge and health much the gap has to be. So, with that in mind, there was a fellow in Europe who was not Shemesh Shabbos. And the only thing that he kept was that he didn't smoke on Shabbos, which is significant. Because heavy smokers, I don't know this to be true, I probably had one, one millionth of a cigarette on one perm when I was younger. I think the first puff cured me forever. Every bacher goes through that, unfortunately. A lot of them actually might like it. I couldn't understand it. 
Um, I don't remember if it got in my mouth. I just can't stand the smoke. So if you know any smokers, the ones who are really into it, they used to be into it, it's a pretty addictive habit. And we probably all know of uh, some Shabbos people who struggle with not smoking on Shabbos. And they don't, but it's something they miss, which is a reason why you shouldn't smoke all wheat, besides the other reasons. It, it might be causing, triggering a lack, a severe lack of any Shabbos. If you have withdrawal symptoms all Shabbos, and um, you're keeping the smallest share in taste because you can't wait, it's better than being Mechal Shabbos, but this is unique already. He's Legamre Mechal Shabbos, but he doesn't smoke on Shabbos. So, where'd that come from? When asked by others why he kept this one piece of Shabbos, his response was that years ago, he says later that this fellow was in Eitz Yisrael, and that's how we know the story. So he probably told over the story in Eitz Yisrael. Years ago, he was enjoying a cigarette, quote-unquote, enjoying a cigarette on Shabbos, and the rugged shava walked by. I guess that took place in the city of uh, Dvinsk. Dvinsk had two great gedalim the same City at the same time, Amir Simcha and the Ragachava. So Ragachava walked by, then he walked, saw him, walked over, took the cigarette out of his mouth. That's the questionable part of the story, but the key to our question. Put it in the ground, didn't step on it, put it in the ground, and told him the free English translation is, uh, My son, we don't smoke on Shabbos. And Yes, if you have the privilege of having the rugged shabbat take notice of you and come over to you and take the cigarette out of your mouth and put it down the ground on Shabbos, it made a tremendous ration. At which point he gave up smoking on Shabbos for the rest of his life. Tavaldik. Of course, the kasha on the maisa, if the maisa exactly happened like this, I'm sure that if the rugged shabbat saw him, he would say something. As a matter of fact, all the chuvas in Europe speak about the litmus test of a machal shas for hesia versus not. It, the interesting litmus test that they use is if you'd see the roof of the town going by and you were smoking, would you be embarrassed and go like this and say, good Shabbos, and then continue when he left? That was like the example given. And if he caught you, it was very embarrassing. Here it made a Roshim, and he stopped for the rest of his life. Akan is the first story before we get to the uh, writer's story. So the kasha on the maisa. So if it happened, it's a kasha on the maisa, which has to be addressed. If it didn't happen, I'd like to know what you think the din is. What's the problem with the Rogachova taking the cigarette out of his mouth and putting it in the ground? So putting it in the ground, I says, not keyboard, because he didn't put it in the ground, step on it. He was carefully put it in the ground. It's muksa. It's muksa. Only the Rabban? At Rabban. We keep the Rabban at Baruch Hashem. Also, that's chatei b'shir shatiske. We just had that for four weeks. That's classic case. That's usher. We don't say chatei b'shir shatiske. Redias apasa drabban. You say everything happened in saskila. That's exactly the problem. What? Still drabban. Two drabbanans. He slapped him and the cigarette <laughs> fell out. But that's a different story. That's why I made all those disclaimers. I'm going to quote who was quoted from, quoted from. It's, I'm sure whoever said it over, heard it in a, in a, in a drosha, I'm sure I said it up, researched it, and I'm assuming it's correct. That's why I'm, I'm asking the cash. But even if it's not, uh, the, the question is, would this be mutter? Per arsug, chatei b'shur shatiske, 
to do a Rabbanon on would be also to save them from a Daraisa. You're asking to do a Rabbanon with a Shinoi. So why don't the Gemara bring up doing Radius Apas to the Shinoi? He's saying you can't do Radius Apas to the Shinoi. It's too complicated. It's a Chachma. You don't know exactly how to do it. You're going to do it with the Shinoi. It's not going to work. Does it, does it matter that the Radius Apas was a Maisa that was going on? How about the guy wasn't doing it at the moment? Not really, because remember, we went through the Gemara, went through the case. Where is this guy? He was, nah, he already left. He forgot about it. He's 10 blocks down. I can't get him. But he's not an Onus. He's a Shegeg, which is a Pshia, or Karv Lamezid. This guy is also. And he's right in front of me, and he's smoking on Shabbos. So this should be classic Hadei Bishoshatiske, which we don't say, which we don't allow. And possibly we don't allow with the Shina either. What? Maybe he took hold of his hand and Shnai then you're changing the story. That's why I read. That's why I'm reading the email. Again, you could say he slapped him. You could say he scared him. You could say he started telling him such a bomb kasha, it fell out of his mouth. You could say a lot of types in the story, but the way the story is told over, he took it out of his mouth. So if the story happened exactly like that, one of two things. Either you have to say that he was already a tinkshanishbam. So you have to know in Devins, maybe the Raghat Shavu knew his grandfather went off the deck already. He was brought up completely fried, didn't know any better. And remember, he's a Machal Shabbos in every area and smoking. So why did the Raghat Shavu tell him we don't smoke on Shabbos? The answer is it's an extra piercing Yudupa Rabin. That's why that was the litmus test. It's Kamav Kamav Malachas. As you smoke, each puff is another Dereisa. It's as Malachas go. Most Malachas probably the Rabbanon. Smoking is really bad. And Rogachov maybe felt that he gave him a cobble and you'll save him from the Achil Shabbos. Like the Maisha had Rabbi Salanta, who was trying to explain to the guys at the pier. So it could be that he knew the guy was somewhat of a tensionish at that point and he would help him, and therefore we do say such a scenario, Chate Bishil Shatiske. Another possibility is, as the story is told over, he made a Roshim on him for life. <coughs> which means he saved him from thousands and thousands of Malachas. You know how many puffs every Shabbos? Fifth times 52. And he told her the story, but Saif Yami's an older man living in a kibbutz in Eretz Yisrael. So it could be he felt the chance of making a Roshim like that, that gap already between Chatei of the Drabonon and what he's saving him from was already enough of a gap together with maybe he's a Shagig and maybe he's a Tenshnish, but so these are all as far as we discussed in the Sugi Chatei. If you have enough of a gap, you got to ask a Shaila, every Kirv Shaila is like this, you have enough of a gap and he's a Shagig or an Ainus, a real Shagig, not a Shagig, Kirv Lepshia, should have known better. So there's room to touch it, even to touch Moksa. But that needs explanation if it happened like that. And Rogachar would need to have been very sure that that would have been... If he would have just gone... Well, that's why I'm putting out a few different spars. Dvinsk, that people didn't move around like they move around today. And it, it, if, he, if this, this young man was living in Dvinsk, his father and grandfather probably did also. Maybe his great-grandfather. And maybe he knew the matzah, or maybe due to the winds of change... You have no idea how uh, debilitating Haskalah was. Maybe he felt that the Hamatzah was a Tinnish Nishba, even if it wasn't five generations later or three generations later. So if it happened, I think we could be Miyashevit. No doubt the Rogachova knew uh, the uh, Sugiv Chate a thousand times over, backwards and forwards, and in his sleep. And if it happened, it's very, very instructive for our Sugiv that you'd have to. Take somebody still in Europe and say they're a Tinkshanish, but even though it wasn't so many generations in, if that Svara was a Svara, but again, I can't vouch for that detail, that crucial detail. It's exactly what happened, that's the way it was told over, and uh, I'm just guessing to what the circumstances might have been to matter it. Now, for the second part of the story. So, based on this story, this fellow uh, works in a camp, and uh, the camp is open all year round, as I told you, you might figure out who this is already, because we've heard from him before. 
and he was um, running a Shabbaton on the, on the campgrounds during the year, and the caterers usually bring their own staff. And for a while, reading his email, there was a company run by a not yet from again Bacher. That's the lesson we'd like to use. He will become from, not yet, but um, he will get back. Ironically, he kept his Jewish name, which I find intriguing nowadays. In the past, when somebody went off, which is few and far between, then they would change their name to something more secular. That's his comment. We could discuss whether that's good for the Jews or bad for the Jews. Maybe that shows some attachment. Maybe that's a big Hashem. Okay. But there's something to that. I think that comment is interesting historically. I befriended this young man. I would take off the shirt off my back for him. I, that's an expression, although I'm sure it got very hot in the kitchen and wherever else. But he tried to go out of his way. One Friday night, I stepped out of the kitchen onto the loading dock and saw him smoking. So, armed with the story from the Wagachova, that's why it's pretty important whether the story is accurate on this point of Vichatei B'Shoshatiske, but he was armed with it. I asked the young man if he can hand me a cigarette. Now, I would, he'll hear this here soon, uh, the Balha email, I would have suggested to ask the man if he could just put down the cigarette. Why well, hand it to you, the Yatash Muksa, but he was depending on the story as he heard it, he was adamant and said, no way, I'm not giving it to you. He was under the impression that I wanted to smoke and didn't want to have a bad influence on me. He thought, when I said, hand, him, hand me the cigarette, that he wants a puff. It's hard to get into people's heads. He said, no, I'm not giving you your from, and you should stay that way. What's the matter with you? You should have done like the uh, Well, he asked it. <laughs> Might have hit him. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, yeah, yeah, right, right. My plan was, well, I'm getting to the next sentence. See, he's brave. Um, he put in parentheses that he doesn't smoke, by the way. So there was no hobby, but he apparently thought that uh, he wanted a puff. My plan was to do the same thing the Rogachava did, take the cigarette from him, put it on the ground, give him a hug, and say good Shabbos. Classic here. Great plan. If you don't get hit in the process, that's a good plan. I asked him for the cigarette again, and once again, he said, no way. He took another puff and threw it away. Okay, so every puff is a big derecha. So he accomplished something, the keyboys uh, draw on him. And then he goes on to his question, which we already addressed. So the Rogachov knew about the Sugya Radia Sapas and Chatei Bishur Shatiske. Why was it mutter? So we addressed that already. Assuming that's what happened, either he knew he was a Tanishanishba or an honest gummer based on the circumstances, or he felt it would make a Roshim long term, which it actually did. And the story is told over many decades later in Eretz Yisrael, I believe, and uh, he still didn't smoke. And his chevra in the kibbutz said, Yemachal Shabbos, the Gamri, in every other area, what's, what's going on here? They told him all the story. So there's value to that. Try to do Kirov to get somebody to be Shemir Shabbos, but there is value in getting somebody to cut out a malacha or more at any given time, of course, without touching muksa and getting involved yourself, unless you clearly have a mahalach in the chatei b'shir shatizkeh. Fascinating, Maisa. Next, I don't know which one is more bizarre. We're going to try to cover one more tonight. This, very, very briefly, yeah. Um, a lot of hotels have uh, waiters who are Jewish. Who are not yet from again. Who are not yet from, and, but they make them wear yarmulkes. And I was in a hotel 
came out with a warp app and just turned on one of the machines and started playing a game. Right. In front of him, you know, in front of That's not good, Chinuch. So, what do you do? There's a father's there, so, what, so he could have thrown the waiter out the window. He could have. Yeah, violence is never uh, him, yeah, a better option than that, yeah? Him, no, he said to him, I remember, he said, either leave the room, he said, well, take off the yarmulke. Yeah, well, take off the yarmulke at that point with the kids watching would have been a little jarring for the kids also, because it might have taught them that if you really want to play pinball, take off the yarmulke. Uh, that's not a very good lesson either, right? Uh, right, right. So if you remember, we had this in the Lifneva sugya. Was it a different sugya? We definitely spent time on it. I think it was before, yeah, I think it was a year or two ago here at Night Seder. We spent a long time in the sugya in Kedushin where the Gemara seems to be saying, according to Samir Shainim, you're going to go do an Avera and you really can't stop yourself, take off a yarmulke. I think it was in the Chukka Sam Shir. And um, the jury's still out. Some. Somebody's trying to say it means after you finish, it doesn't say about the yarmulke. It says change your clothing from from looking clothing to black and something. And then black wasn't, uh, it was a sign of something else. And, and therefore what? And therefore by the time you finish changing, you won't do it. And others learn, no, if you're going to do it, make sure you don't look from, don't look Jewish. So, halacha it's not poshet that we paskin, that's an option. Over here, with the kids watching, you want to know, was that lift Eva to tell them to take off his yarmulke? Uh, it's, uh, we hold, walking around with the yarmulke now is, is usher. Maybe he was stationary, he wasn't working down on us to stand there, that's yarmulke. Is it uh, better if he's not going to leave and you can't throw him out the window and you can't um, call security? He's really a menace to society. He's, he's giving the kids a very, very... Uh, bad look at Shabbos and Kedusha. That's very bad. He's, he's a menace. He's dangerous. So um, don't uh, hit him, knock him out, but you should remove him. And if you can't, is it better? It depends on what the Maskan is in that sugi. And it's not so posh it to tell somebody to take off a yarmulke. The chilek is that even those are hold, you don't take off a yarmulke over there when you're trying to do an avera. We don't counsel somebody to take off a yarmulke. It's not good for your ruchnius over here. If he doesn't take it off, it's bad for their ruchnius. So you could defend it in your case, more. It's a good shy The guy just stood there and continued playing. And, uh, took over the yarmulke. Took over and then, uh, and then the father explained to the kids that he's not yet from yet, but he will be again. He did. He did. He from. Uh-huh. He was, you were there. Uh-huh. Okay. That's a sad story. So you have to have in tandem, I guess, with all the events, a separate cure seminar for those who are attending uh, as part of the uh, workforce. Okay, let me just throw out this Shiloh. I believe the Rav had Shirim on Ambassador Torah about people that would drive a little wild in the city and maybe they should take off their yarmulke. Yes, yes. So, uh, I did. I did. That was part of the same sugya. At least over there, uh, is there a Tzad Lahokal? You're driving in a car, you're moving place to place, but you have something over your head. Does that help a little bit? And that might be a Sniff Lahokal. Uh, but the sugya, that Gemara is that. The debate is, should you change by the time you finish changing, you won't have the Yitzhah anymore? Or should you not create a Chil Hashem? And the Mekilim would certainly hold by the car case. And the uh, Machmirim would say, you can't dictate to him to do it. For sure, if he decides to do it himself, would it be lesser of Eira? Perhaps. 
because it's not a good idea to, uh, whenever I go to the uh, city, we had, uh, Michal, we had a mice like this uh, just uh, last Thursday. So you burned it. Getting into various lanes, sometimes you don't realize what's returning, and then you get in there, you got 50 cars waiting. So I would get tinted windows in general in case you have to do that, and it's really mutter that they don't see you are wearing yarmulke, not wearing yarmulke. Yes, yes, you remember that. You guys don't remember that? He's quoting a bastard's attorney. That shit was given like 20 plus years ago. <laughs> so uh, it's good. Because remember, yeah, I had a story with the Rebbitzin, and um, it, um, that, was, uh, that was like a million and a half to one, those odds. How many people are there in New York? <laughs> Go figure. So the excuse that we just had this Misa, it happens a lot, because you don't realize, you're not trying to save yourself time. You just go, oh, this is the turn over here, and sometimes it's not clear. So can you go in? So if there are other cars cutting in also... Maybe it's not so bad because they, they can always say, well, that point to Yabaka, why are you doing this? Two wrongs don't make a right. Okay, but it's a, it's a situation you want to avoid. Most of the newcomers, the lanes hap, happen to be over bridges and tunnels in and, and Manhattan are notorious that it's very unclear where you have to go and then you get yourself into the problem. So again, what's the other option? It's just going to cost you an hour. And if the other car is going in, you have to blend all of it together, and uh, it's uh, it's part of the sugi, not so not so pushing. So, for this Shiloh, we only have one minute to even um, mention it. So, this actually took place. Zobitin himself doesn't mention this Shiloh Kington. He was the one in the Shiloh, believe it or not. He's walking on the streets somewhere near Tel Aviv. It was in Bnei and it was, must have been near Tel Aviv, B'nai Brak, there is nobody who could possibly ask such a Shaila Kemat. So for whatever reason, he was there, and uh, somebody in the street came over to him, and he says, Kvod uh, uh, we have a Shaila, can, can you come with me for a minute? I have to show you something. It's a serious Shaila, can you help us for a minute? He says, sure, I'll help you. He walks in to somebody's dira, Nice thing about it, it's all the guys clearly, everybody's Jewish, you know, he wasn't afraid to walk in and have a shayla. He walks in, there's a 13-year-old kid, this is Lael Shabbos, after Rabbi Natan says. There's a setup with a bunch of fancy cameras with all those umbrellas, you know, like a real fancy photography, and there's a kid who looks dressed up very nice, looks like he's trying to put on tefillin, and there's a whole photo op for his bar mitzvah on Leil Shabbos. And Nebuch, such a teeny shinishba, this is telling it's hard to imagine. He walked in, he saw right away before they even asked the Shaila. As he walked in, they said, Rebbe, we need help. He doesn't know how to do it. Something's wrong. And he had his shalyad on his shalrosh, and his shalrosh, and his shalyad, nothing fit. And it was going, and the photo wasn't going. The guy was waiting at the place to paint the photographer by the hour. And they said, uh, Rebbe, can you help us out over here because it's just not going. How does this work? How do you put this on? Leil Shabbos. So, it's a real doozy of a lift neighbor, Shaila, an Ivor Shaila, an Akira Shaila. Shabbos, a light was not smart twillin. This is insane. Like, you walk in, he does not, Mabish, he saw it right away. He wasn't, didn't have a Shaila of a wood, Nusafar, Nusachashkanaz, a Rastich. Like, everything was nothing. Of course, it didn't fit. They didn't know where to put the Shaliyah, the Shalvesh. Do you help him or not? Maybe he only has one of us. Ah, Debuch. 
So, I'll let you think about that for tomorrow night, and we'll continue, Mr. Shem, tomorrow night. It's fairly awesome.